For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures I will arise and go forth to the house of my young I will arise and go forth to the house of my father I will arise and go forth to the house of my young House of my young Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Welcome back to our study on the Hebraic roots of Christianity. We are doing a study series entitled Torah and the New Testament. And we're going through the New Testament and looking at those scripture passages that Christians often like to quote to try to make the claim that a believer in Yeshua as the Messiah should not be following the Torah. And in doing so, we're looking at the passages, looking at the context of the passages. We're looking at it from a Hebraic perspective, how it would be seen in the first century. And we're doing it with an understanding of Torah and Torah principles because many of these scripture passages are in the letters of Paul that Christians like to quote. And they don't realize when they're reading Paul's letters that he's actually teaching the Torah and showing us what the Torah says as it relates to Yeshua and expressing our faith in Yeshua as Messiah. So he explains Torah principles and then he applies those Torah principles to faith in Yeshua as the Messiah. And so now we are starting our study in the book of Hebrews and we have in the last couple sessions as an introduction to the book of Hebrews, we went over the Levitical priesthood and its tasks, the duties, and, and the things done by the Levites, both in the tabernacle in the wilderness and in the first and the second temples. And the reason is, is because the book of Hebrews compares and contrasts who Yeshua is as the Messiah, as God manifested in the flesh and being a high priest, the high priest after the order of Melchizedek, the high priest of the new covenant and the high priest of the heavenly tabernacle and how him and his ministry as Melchizedek priest is superior to the Levitical priesthood. And it's not trying to say that the Levitical priesthood has been done away with because in Ezekiel chapter 44, we see that when Messiah, after he sets his feet down on the Mount of Olives and he sets up his kingdom, teaches the Torah to all nations from Jerusalem, Isaiah in chapter 2 and verse 3, where he's ruling and reigning from the temple of the Messiah era, which is in Jerusalem in the place of his throne, Ezekiel chapter 43, verse 7, that he's ministering there, teaching the Torah to all nations as Melchizedek priest of the new covenant. But there are also Levites there who are ministering in the kingdom in the Messianic era as well. And so we can see this in Ezekiel chapter 44 and verses 23 and 
and 24, The Levites, they shall teach my people the difference between the holy and the profane, and cause them to discern between the unclean and the clean. And in controversy they shall stand in judgment, and they shall judge it according to my judgments, and they shall keep my laws and my statutes and my assemblies, and they shall hallow my Sabbaths. And so if we understand the Hebrew scriptures that he's not doing away with the Levitical priesthood, the reason why the Levites didn't have job function is because the temple got destroyed in the year 70 and they mainly ministered and their duties were from and through the temple. And so Hebrews is now showing that with the people wanting to mourn the temple and the loss of the temple, wanted to show exactly who Yeshua is and what he's done for us, that he is our high priest. And so there's a couple of scripture passages that are often quoted from Hebrews to try to make the claim that a believer in Yeshua should not follow the Torah. And before the break, I mentioned Hebrews chapter 7 verse 22. The verse I was quoting was Hebrews chapter 7 verse 12 which says, for the priesthood being changed, there is made of necessity a change of the law. So that's a verse that is quoted to say, see, the law got changed. But actually, the law wasn't changed. The new covenant is going to have a priesthood that governs it, and it's just that Yeshua is the high priest of that new covenant. And, and so it was the priesthood and the governing of the covenant which got changed, not the Torah. So in Hebrews, in chapter 8 verse 7 it says forth the first and the word covenant is in italics which means it's not in the text had been faultless there should no place have been sought for the second and so this is often explained to mean that the Torah at Mount Sinai there was a problem with it so they had to do away with it and bring in the new covenant which did away with following the Torah is how this is often seen but it says in verse 8 for finding fault with them so there was two elements of what the God of Israel found fault with he found fault with the Levites themselves because they weren't faithful in their task and their duties and also what he found fault with the hearts of the people not with the Torah but with the hearts of the people because the people in not following the Torah they exemplified stony hearts and so we can see one that doesn't follow the Torah has a stony heart if we look at Zechariah chapter 7 verses 11 and 12 it says but they refused to hearken they pulled away the shoulder they stopped their ears that they should not hear they made their hearts as adamant stone. So he found fault with the people because they had stony hearts. And when Moses gave the Torah at Mount Sinai, the Torah or the Ten Commandments was written on tablets of stone. That was prophetic, that the Torah would be received by his people in their hearts with a stony heart. The Torah written on, in the Ten Commandments, written on tablets of stone was prophetic of how the people would receive the Torah in their hearts with stony hearts, which means that would they would be rebellious toward it. They wouldn't obey it. And that's what happened with the children of Israel in the wilderness. We have describing different things that they did where they rebelled against the Lord. And so the Lord had a problem with the stony heart. And so that's why we have the prophecy in Ezekiel in chapter 
36 and verse 26 that with the new covenant he says I'm going to give you a new heart and I'm going to give you a new spirit and so this new covenant in Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 31 the new covenant is made with the house of Israel and the house of Judah which is quoted in Hebrews chapter 8 verse 8 and then Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 33 it says but this will be the covenant I'll make with the house of Israel after those days says the Lord I will put my Torah in their inward parts and write it on their hearts I will be their God they will be my people the new covenant is the Torah written upon our hearts and in Psalm chapter 40 verse 8 it says that I delight to do your will oh my God your Torah is written upon my heart so he always wanted his people to follow the Torah but not with a stony heart he wanted them to do it by his spirit and so the new covenant he gives us his spirit to help us to do that so he found fault with them he found fault with the hearts of the people but also at the same time he found fault with the Levitical priests so in finding fault with them the hearts of the people and the Levitical priests he says now he makes a new covenant the house of Israel and the house of Judah and then in Hebrews chapter 8 verse 13 it says in that he says a new covenant the word covenant is in italics which means it's not in the text in the new he's made the first old now that which decays and waxes old is ready to vanish away so this is interpreted to mean that the Torah is being done away with no what's being done away with is the stony hearts of the people who wouldn't follow the Torah because what is old and ready to vanish away is supposed to be our old nature and Paul said in Romans in chapter 6 and verse 6 knowing that our old man is crucified him with Messiah that the body of sin might be destroyed that we would not serve sin and so that which is to vanish away is following after the flesh and our sin nature and the stony heart because we've been given a new heart and we're supposed to yield and submit our new heart to the Holy Spirit and so as we yield to the Holy Spirit and we walk in the Spirit we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh as Paul also said in Romans so therefore that old man that old nature that sins that rebels against the Torah that is old and that is fading and waxing away as well as the Levitical priests who served in disobedience to the Lord and it says in the book of of Malachi that the priesthood got corrupted and and so also the Lord was going to solve this as well so when he returns sits his feet on the Mount of Olives sets up his kingdom has a temple in the Messianic era there's going to be faithful Levites that's going to be serving and so it's because of Hebrews chapter 7 verse 12 saying that the law changed and then Hebrews in chapter 8 verse 13 thinking that verse says that the Torah is being done away with is why we need to look at the book of Hebrews and understand what this book is saying so one of the major points of the book of Hebrews is the emphasis that Yeshua is our high priest in a Melchizedek priest and the Melchizedek priesthood is eternal now in Yeshua's earthly ministry at his first coming he had a priestly ministry him dying on the tree shedding his blood to forgive us of our sins and reconciling the world to himself is a priestly ministry in Luke chapter 3 verse 23 it says Yeshua began to be about 30 years of age well in the Torah in numbers in chapter 
4, we can see that in order to serve in the tabernacle, it was to be with those beginning at 30 years of age. Verse 39, from 30 years and upward. And then this continues on to be repeated in verse 43, from 30 years and upward. So Yeshua has a priestly ministry. And through his priestly ministry, he's able to bring the believer in him to spiritual maturity, which is what God always wanted. And a term for a believer that comes to spiritual maturity and obeys his father, follows his Torah by the Spirit, is a son of God. And through Yeshua, we are able to be sons of God, faithful, obedient to our father. So now the emphasis that Yeshua is our high priest. Hebrews, in chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Messiah Yeshua. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 and 15. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Yeshua, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. And then it says in Hebrews in chapter 4 and verse 15, it says, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So Hebrews 3, 1. Hebrews 4, 14 and 15 emphasizes that Yeshua is our high priest. Not just any priest, but he's a priest after the order of Melchizedek. Hebrews in chapter 7 and verse 17 says, For he testifies, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, which is prophesied in the Psalms in Psalm 110 and verse 4. It says, The Lord has sworn and will not repent that you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So the emphasis in the book of Hebrews regarding Yeshua and the significance of him being the Messiah, shedding his blood on the tree for the forgiveness of our sins, is he had a priestly ministry. That he's not only our high priest, but he's a Melchizedek priest. So we begin here in Hebrews in chapter 1, verse 1, it says, God, who at sundry times in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. And now speaking of the Son, it makes a reference to a priestly function. Verse 3, it says that when he had by himself purged our sins, he sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. He purged our sins. That is a priestly function. So then, with this theme, Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 17, it says, Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. Making reconciliation for the sins of the people is a priestly function. It's a priestly duty. So it mentions about Yeshua in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3, mentions a priest priestly function. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 17, Yeshua, a priestly function. Then it says in Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1, consider Yeshua the high priest of our confession. And then goes on in Hebrews chapter 4 verses 14 and 15 that we have a great high priest that's passed in the heavens. And this high priest is easily touched with the feelings of our infirmities because he was tempted like we, yet without sin. And then it continues in Hebrews chapter 
5, verse 1. For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gift and sacrifices for sin. Verse 4. And no man takes his honor unto himself, but he that is called of God, as was Aaron. You see, Aaron was called of God, appointed by God for the task. Aaron himself didn't put himself in that situation. The Lord had told Moses that this was going to be done by Aaron and his sons. And so Hebrews chapter 5 verse 5, it says, So also Messiah glorified not himself to be made a high priest, but he that said unto him, You are my son, this day have I begotten you. Quoting from Psalm chapter 2. Then Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 6 says, As he said in another place, and now this is quoting Psalm 110 verse 4, You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Repeating Hebrews chapter 5 verse 10. Called of God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 20 continues to emphasize the point. Whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Yeshua made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 1. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham, returned from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. This is referring back to the Torah, to Genesis. In Genesis chapter 14, where Abraham, it goes on to say in verse 18, the verse says, Melchizedek, king of Salem, which is a name for Jerusalem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was priest of the Most High God. He blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be the Most High God, who has delivered your enemies into your hand, and he gave him tithes of all. And you see, tithes were to be given to the priests. So Abraham gave tithes to Melchizedek, king of Salem. And so Yeshua is a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, but in being a priest before the God of Israel, from the time of Adam to the sin of the golden calf, those who had priestly responsibilities were firstborn, firstborns among the family. But there was one over the firstborns and he was a Melchizedek priest. In other words, he was the highest priest in the order of God's kingdom. And Adam was the first Melchizedek priest. When Adam died, it went to the next who was oldest, who was responsible in the things of God. And ultimately, in the line from Adam, things got passed down to Shem. And the person in Genesis in chapter 14 that Abraham is coming to, that's, that the Melchizedek, that he's the Melchizedek priest of God on the earth, was Shem. Even though we have eternal Melchizedek priest in the heavens, that is Yeshua the Messiah. And so Hebrews is now explaining what Abraham did unto the Melchizedek priest, comparing and contrasting Yeshua and who he is in his Melchizedek priesthood. So Hebrews chapter 7 verse 3, regarding Melchizedek, the Melchizedek priesthood, it says, without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abides a priest continually. So here in Genesis chapter 14, all of a sudden we have Abraham meeting Melchizedek, the king of Salem. It doesn't mention who he is. It doesn't explicitly mention who he is. And so if you would just read the Torah literally and what's there, you know, since you don't know who he is, you could say he's without 
father and he's without mother. And it's a way of saying that the Melchizedek priesthood is eternal. It didn't come into existence because you're born of a mother or a father. That the Melchizedek priesthood has always existed and Yeshua is that Melchizedek priest. That's the point. That's what's being explained. So now Hebrews chapter 7 verse 21 is going to make mention of the Levitical priesthood. And regarding the Levitical priests, it says those priests were made without an oath. In other words, when God summoned and called Aaron and his sons, the Kohanim, and thus the Levites, he didn't place them in that function and duty by oath through covenant. Um, he did it by calling them for that mission or that duty, but not through oath. And so that's the point that's being made here in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 21. But Yeshua, he's Melchizedek priest by oath that was swore to him, where it says the Lord swore by oath and he will not change his mind. Now quoting from Psalm 110, verse 4, that you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So now it goes on. In Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 1, it says, Now the summary of the things that we have told you is this. We have a high priest who is set at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, Yeshua HaMashiach. But this high priest, Yeshua, is not an earthly priest, Hebrews chapter 8 verse 2, but he's a minister of the sanctuary, the true tabernacle, the heavenly tabernacle which the Lord pitched in that heavenly tabernacle was not built by man's hands. And then he goes on in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11. But Messiah, being a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands. See, the significance of Yeshua, he's the high priest, the Melchizedek priest of the heavenly tabernacle. And so now Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 11, it says... And every priest stands daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never truly take away the sins of the people. That's the Levitical priest compared to Yeshua. Verse 12, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice, once he died on the tree for sins forever, he sat down at the right hand of God. Verse 21, and having a high priest over the house of God. And now Hebrews chapter 13. And verse 11 and verse 12. For the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary, that was the tabernacle in the wilderness, by the high priest for sin, that they were burned outside of the camp. Regarding Yeshua, wherefore Yeshua also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, fulfilling the Torah, that he suffered or he died outside the gate or outside the, the city walls of Jerusalem. And so, therefore, one of the major points of the book of Hebrews, and it's made in every chapter as we've gone through, the point is Yeshua is our high priest, and Yeshua is a priest after the order of Melchizedek, and he is a priest of the true heavenly tabernacle. And we're told in Revelation 21, verse 3, that heaven is a tabernacle, and how his Melchizedek priesthood of the new covenant is a superior priesthood to the Levitical priesthood because we're going to see that Yeshua's Melchizedek priesthood is able then to bring the believer to spiritual maturity 
which did not happen once they were given the Torah in the wilderness because they had stony hearts. The only way they can be brought through spiritual maturity is through Yeshua, through his shed blood, when they follow his Torah, love him, keeping his commandments, and whenever they follow his Torah by his spirit and exemplify the fruit of the spirit, then they can truly be what the Father wanted, and that is to have sons of God. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his peace. B'shem Yeshua HaMashiach, Sar Shalom, in the name of Yeshua the Messiah, Prince of Peace. Amen.